This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness, Guernsey's new state-of-the-art gym, purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. Head to upgrade.fitness to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into island sport brought to you in association with Upgrade Fitness. Coming up on this week's show, we'll speak to athletic star Cam Chalmers about his Olympic ambitions for the next year and how he's hoping to realise them from Foots Lane. I feel really motivated um, and I haven't honestly felt that for the last two seasons since the last uh, Olympic year. Um, I've just not been in that headspace and I think being back here is, uh, in, in the new setup is kind of relit that fire um, and I'm really you know determined to give it a good go next year. We'll also reflect on the best of the week's action as cyclist Sam Colverwell excels on gravel. Two Island Games athletes come to the fore in the Butterfield Half Marathon and the winter netball and hockey seasons get underway. Um, plus we'll uh, look ahead to what's coming up over the next week or so including a big triple header of rugby. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr and to do all that I'm joined by Gareth the Prevo. Hi Tony. And Jamie Ingrall. Hi Tony. Hey guys, um, lots to talk about this week. Uh, it's been yeah, a pretty busy weekend and pretty busy start to the week um, which is great. Um, some pre-testing, kind of, well we spoke about the heat in the last couple of weeks it was uh, sweltering, wasn't it, for, for, for various sports. Quite a different proposition over the course of the weekend with um, the thunderstorms putting the half marathon into jeopardy and, and down at the golf course, uh, coming back to haunt the Lancris Open once again. Well, yeah, but it wasn't actually too bad, actually. Most of the day was all right. It was just the, the, the volume of rain in the last sort of couple of hours of play suddenly sort of like put a few doubts as to whether everyone will be able to finish because the, the rain accumulated on, on some of the greens very quickly. But um, fortunately, they managed to get to get through it all. What is it about the Lancris Open which <laughs> seems to attract torrential rain? Um, well, to be fair, you know, when it was first postponed in um, in August, it was more the the, hev- uh, the high winds that um, caused the postponement. Um, heavy rain is just uh, part and parcel of golf, it seems. Pretty much whenever I, I turn up with my camera, it starts raining or blowing a hoolie. So it was going to be one of the two, and on this occasion, it was it was the rain. Yeah, and tell us about the two players who, well, either made the most of the conditions or avoided the worst of them. Yeah, I must admit, it was um, it was. I thought it was great to see the the two winners sort of who came out of it because um, both for their own reasons sort of like needed needed something to cheer about. Um, mainly because of interinsular sport this month. Um, the main winner was Adam Martel, who shot a, an excellent sixty four net. Um, off his 10 handicap he's obviously better known to a lot of people as an island cricketer and um, yeah Guernsey were on the receiving end of a record-breaking defeat to Jersey in cricket at the start of the month which um, Adam played in so it was nice for him to sort of turn to his other summer sport and and get some success in that one Uh, and yeah he played really well he got absolutely drenched over the last few holes though he sort of went out uh, around lunchtime and um, it's it's quite a sort of a slow day. The Lancros Open being a medal with three ball uh, three ball uh, groups. So um, yeah, by the time we got to about the fourteenth, fifteenth um, hole, it started raining, and he wasn't really prepared for that. So he was borrowing umbrellas and waterproofs from his playing partners. Managed to finish um, and to shoot a sixty-four net um, off a ten handicap. 
was just great going. And there was sort of, it was a case of almost really solid play. There was no real potential highlights because he didn't actually card any birdies at all, which shows how, how well he played, really. It was very consistent stuff. Um, and as for the scratch salver, yeah, um, another guy who, who was on the end of a, an injury instead of defeat this month, uh, Jamie Blondel, came back home to to Lancres, um after the disappointment of Lemoy and um, carded a, a brilliant 67 gross um, which included an eagle two at the at the fifth, which was just a, sort of a great way to kickstart his round. So um, I was really pleased with Jamie because he obviously, you know, from from the Blondel family, Blondel stroke Letitia family, they they sort of like they're so heavily involved in local sport, and losing to Jersey is not a very nice feeling for for anyone. But it sort of it hit them hard, and uh, it was great for for him to win the uh, the scratch salver for the first time. Yeah, it is one of the big golf events of the season, isn't it? Um, let's hear what those two winners uh, had to. Say um, you spoke to uh, Jamie Bondle uh, and first Adam Marto. Start with you, Adam. Congratulations. Thank you. What does that stand in your your golfing CV? Yeah, I mean it's definitely up there. Um, as I said in my speech, I think the Ancress Open is probably the biggest domestic tournament, if not the biggest, in the Channel Islands. So um, yeah, to win the Ancress Open is a yeah a real privilege. And I mean a lot of people know you for your cricket as well. I mean, how was the actual sort of golf game going into the weekend? Because you wouldn't have been able to play a huge amount recently, or wouldn't have thought. No, um, especially being back in the Island Cricket Squad this year, I've missed some of the local uh, golf club tournaments through the Royal. Um, so haven't played that much lately. Um, although I was away last weekend with the Island Squad in Jersey and to watch some of those guys play. Um, yeah, I think it spurred me on a little bit. Um, and yeah, I just struck the ball really well yesterday. So um, it was nice it all came together in one round. I was going to say, actually, having a look at your card in, in, sort of like, in a competition like this to play so solidly must be really pleasing. Yeah, um, yeah, I played really well tee to green. Um, I was supposed to be playing a little bit earlier in the day and actually um, had to put my tee onto a bit a bit later, which probably resulted in me getting the worst of the weather as well. So um, even more pleasing um, when the conditions sort of came down, I managed to hold it together um, on the last sort of five or six holes. So Yeah, you must have got pretty wet down that last because I actually saw you on th- on 16 and it was, it was hosing it down. Yeah, I think it started raining when I was on the 14th tee box. Um, I didn't take an umbrella out with me, didn't have any wet gear in the bag. So um, yeah, by the time I got to 16 and saw you in the car park, I was soaked. Um, standing on the 18th tee box, um, I, I knew I probably still had a few shots, um, a few shots in hand. Um, I was just thinking, get it somewhere near the green. I could hardly see the green through the rain. It was, I mean, it was coming down sideways, so... Yeah, really, really pleasing the way I finished, even though I did drop a few shots on those last few holes. And now it's back to cricket, isn't it, for a little while? Yeah, back out. Um, T10 tournament out in Malaga in a couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, just it's sort of, summer months seems to be sort of golf or cricket, one or the other, try and, try and play the two at the same time. It doesn't always work, and they don't really complement each other's game too well, I don't think. But, um, yeah, back on the cricket pitch soon, so... Now, I believe, judging by the board, this is the first time you've won the sour, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, it must be a, quite a, a nice feeling, that one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, obviously, it's one you always look at. I think I've been runner-up twice in the last four years and lost by a shot. Um, so it's kind of one of those you wonder if you are ever going to win it. And, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's great. Yeah, not lovely to finish off the season and, and to win this, really. So uh, yeah, nice to win it for the first time. So I say, it's one you always target at the start of the year and uh, to actually do it. So uh, yeah, it's nice to play well yesterday, so it's good. Um, so you were out relatively early, obviously, I came yeah. and saw you. So, I mean, did you did you imagine that that would be a good enough score to win? Um, I honestly thought it was probably going to be about one short. I had a funny thing. The way the course was set up yesterday, with the rain we'd had, the greens were soft, but they were running true. Um, I thought it could be somebody may go a bit lower. Um, as happens, thankfully, they didn't, <laughs> which was nice. But I, I had a feeling it was going to be there or thereabouts. But I honestly, 
when I left the course, I thought it might be one short, but they say you just never know. The course, the course is tough. If you're not hitting fairways, it's tough. So, yeah, yeah it made a big difference yesterday. And I believe you had an eagle on the fifth, was it? Yeah. So did yeah. that sort of kick, kick start you a bit? Yeah, it did really. Yeah, four, four straight pars that were fairly quite painful, painless pars to start with. And then, uh, yeah, at 124 yards into the into the fifth, uh, which is just perfect wedge for me. Um, so didn't see it going, sort of pitched where it pitched. And then, yeah, didn't see it again and then found it in there. And then, yeah, birdie the next. And then that just kind of got it going. I had good birdie opportunities on seven and eight as well, really, that I should have. Should have made, didn't make those, and then dropped a shot, and then uh, yeah, had a good, good finish with uh, three threes to finish with. So yeah, it was a, it's just good solid round. It, it just felt comfortable. Um, I think after last week, when you're playing somewhere a different course, and you come back to your own course, it, you just feel comfortable and feel like literally at home with it, and you know it. And the way our course is set up at the moment is so good that you, you kind of we almost take it for granted how good our course is. Not to see other courses, you realise how how good this is. And I mean. Obviously, last week aside, I mean, it was obviously just yeah. last week. But, yeah. I mean, season as a whole, this must be a nice way. Is this sort of pretty much the, the, the signing off note of the season? Yeah, yeah, it will be for me. Yeah, I probably won't play a great, great day. I'll certainly practice and get out a little bit over the winter, depending on the weather. Um, but, yeah, no, that, certainly the target at the start of the year was kind of obviously Island Games, um, which I couldn't have done any more. And I don't feel. Um, so that that was a great week. And, and just, uh, yeah, be a highlight, uh, certainly in my golfing, golfing career, that playing the home island games and then yeah to finish it off with this it's uh it's great obviously last week it's a disappointment um you don't get over that that easily it takes longer than a week to get over losing to jersey um but uh no it's yes yeah, a lovely way to finish finish the season off and uh yeah already look forward to for practice and working hard for next season yeah Jamie Blundell and Adam Martel speaking to you there. Gareth, yeah, congratulations to them. Um, yeah, Jamie, on to the Sunday, and it wasn't so much the rain, was it, uh, causing problems for the half marathon runners. Um, it was the thunder and lightning, mm-hmm. but that uh, sort of abated at just about the right time. And um, yeah, things got underway in the Butterwood half. Uh, bang on schedule at nine o'clock. Yeah, well, it's not often at all when we've got a running road race and we're considering not putting it ahead because of the conditions. But that was the case on Sunday morning. I remember waking up to thunderstorms and they're still going like within two hours of a race start and it painted a pretty bleak picture and also have to like sympathize a bit with the runners because i've experienced this myself if you wake up and the conditions are appalling it can be a bit demotivating because you think you could just have you could be in cracking shape and just not get the best of yourself because of the conditions so to see the race go ahead and for people to pull some de- very decent performances out of a bag a lot of personal best times that was a win in itself yeah as it was two experienced athletes um yeah crossing the line ahead of a field of more than um 300 uh or so um yeah steve Dawes and ulrika meisch um what can you say about them that you haven't already said if you look at recent performances they're their top man and top woman from the island games so i think it's reasonable to expect something from them and in the end yeah they're quite convincing winners no neither of them really challenged their best times but they put in very solid performances considering and actually I was very impressed by the people who are coming in second in both cases so Peter Amy who he's had ongoing struggles with cancer and he's having a major surgery soon so the fact he can still pull a 75 minute half marathon out of a bag is really impressive and- yeah and cross the line smiling as well <laughs> yeah oh he I think he's an absolute inspiration he just loves running no matter how many lemons life throws at him he's just always <laughs> he's just always just carries on running with a smile on his face and yeah 
<laughs> just real inspiration. Yeah, and I think on the woman's side again, Rosie Williams. That's another strong performance. She didn't quite, she didn't quite get me on Game Squad this year, but she's another person that hopefully, if she manages to stay in shape, she'll be challenging in another two years' time. Yeah, congratulations to everyone who got round on the day. You can hear a bit more from um, the two winners, uh, Steve Dawes and Ulrika Maish, if you uh, scroll back on our social media channels on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at GSY Press Sport, uh, the place to go there. Um, I mentioned at the top, a couple of winter seasons getting underway. We've had the netball starting, and Gareth, you were following the hockey at the weekend, and, and some of that hockey played on what is a very, very fantastic-looking new pitch down at Footslane. Yeah, you don't really want to start treading on it yet. It's, it looks so pristine. I, I sort of wandered on after the game to chat to Andy Good, and I almost didn't want to because it just looks so immaculate out there. But um, it'll, it's going to be a great facility there. Elizabeth College have sort of um, they've relayed their hockey pitch. It looks absolutely fantastic, and uh, you can tell just the the nature of it, the the sort of like the. The, the pace and the bounce of it, it it's going to make the hockey players better because you have to be a, a good, uh, be able to control the ball well just uh, to sort of keep possession of it. And um, yeah, Elizabeth College played really, really well. The first time I've seen in this season, there's a lot of new faces in their first 11 squad. They've had, I think, nine guys now sort of um, leave through, um, they leave the school through their age. Um, and um, so you, you sort of turn up not quite sure what to expect from them. They're up against a casual side who were under strength, but they've still got sort of three or four sort of island regulars like um, ADP Skid, uh, Alex Bushell, Sam Watson involved. So it's, it's a decent side that Casuals had out, but College went, uh, ran out 3-1 winners and were thoroughly deserving of that. It was nil-nil at half-time. I'm not exactly sure how because College should have been two or three ahead. Um, but they, they got their just rewards in the end and um, there's a lot of uh, potential in that squad for sure. Yeah, let's hear what uh, Andy Good, uh, College coach, uh, had to say about the performance and the pitch. But yeah, well, what's it like from a from a college hockey perspective to to have this facility now available to you well it's it's just absolutely superb isn't it i mean everyone who's either seen it or played on it so far has said uh, you know what a, what a great facility it is and uh, we've just got to be thankful that the school uh, has invested so heavily in our sport and um yeah um the, the kids are very very lucky to be playing on it and and even this morning like the little ones have learned a lot by playing on a pitch that's a proper hockey pitch now. Um, so, yeah, the game is going to move on a lot for these guys now. And your assessment of the of the performance today as well? Is it a good win? I thought they were brilliant from from the start to finish. I mean, we we had three or four really good opportunities in the first half. Uh, their goalkeeper kept a minute a bit, and and when we went one nil up, I was yes. Few really because they just. You know, I just said to them at the end, they just got the result they deserved. They they deserved to win the game. They were played really well. Um, in terms of the new faces in the squad, I suppose there's a lot of new faces. Sort of a fresh group. I mean, what are you yeah. sort of looking from them for, uh, in the season as a whole? Well, we lost we lost nine players from last year. A first eleven team that did really well, competed well in Division One. Although they didn't win many games, they competed really well, and then. You know, obviously, when we went away, we competed against us, beat the schools we played against. So, um, yeah, losing all those guys has been has been tough. But there has there's always been a lot of these younger lads waiting in the wings. Uh, a lot of them played Division One hockey last year for their clubs, and I always knew that they were going to come this year and and step in. So, yeah, they they just work really hard, and that's great. 
Andy Good speaking to you there, Gareth. Um, let's uh, just complete our uh, little wrap-up of what's going on with some uh, great news from Sam Colwell. It's on the back page of uh, Tuesday's press um, as we record this. Uh, yeah, a phenomenal result for him over in England in the uh, British Gravel Championships, um, where he finished third um, to secure a GB spot for the World Championships. Um, yeah, Jamie, you wrote up this story. Uh, great result for Sammy. We've spoken about, obviously, a lot on this pod. He's had a fair bit of misfortune over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, really pleased when he can uh, pull out these kind of results. I mean, just explain what this event is and, and yeah, how he got on. I mean, yeah, it's basically as it sounds, it's the national championships for gravel racing, which is a fast growing and quite competitive discipline. It's sort of a new kid on the block in international cycling, but it's a fast growing discipline. It's getting very competitive. <laughs> you can look down the field of a race Sam was in and you get names like Alistair Brownlee popping up, which is always quite intriguing. But yeah, uh, Sam finished well ahead of him, by the way. And um, yeah, so to get third at a genuine national championship, that's always a cracking performance. Yeah, and the guys that finished ahead of him, um, one of them was Connor Swift, uh, the Team Ineos rider, um, kind of which which says it all, I guess. And um, yeah, uh, a fantastic performance, and it sets him up very nicely for next month. I believe it's in Belgium, um, the uh, the World Championship at the start of October. So uh, yeah, we'll be following his progress very closely there, and wish him uh, all the best with his preparations for that. Welcome back. Now, for athletes, there's always something big on the horizon, isn't there? Um, but nothing comes bigger than the Olympic Games, which is what Guernsey 400 meter star Cameron Chalmers has his sights set on again. He raced at the Tokyo Games, of course, a couple of years ago, um, but he's gone through a pretty challenging couple of seasons since. Um, but he's now moved back to the island uh, and will be based at Foots Lane as he bids to get back to his best and earn a place for Paris 2024. He joined Jamie and I for an extended chat about that goal and why he's feeling as motivated as ever. I must say there was a slight issue with the sound on mine and Jamie's mic, so apologies for that. Um, but Cam comes through loud and clear, and I'm glad he does because it was a really interesting conversation. Glad to be back and, um, yeah, under training already with uh, Tom Druce in a, a new setup and um, back home. So I'm really excited for the, the coming season. Yeah, we'll get to the detail of that. Um, just to tell us what life's been like since other games. Obviously, that was a, you know, a big week for everyone involved in, in local sport. Um, yeah, we we quite kind of keen to to get straight back onto it after. Yeah, it, it was a fantastic week. Um, one that I've looked forward to for years and years. Uh, and it, it certainly delivered. The crowds down at Foot Slane were just phenomenal. Um, and yeah, memories that will definitely um, stay with me for for my life. So um, amazing, amazing week. And it was a bit of a come down sort of the following week when it's kind of back to reality and you head back down to the track to do a training session and there's, you know, couple of people walking their dogs around the, the, the outside and uh, yeah that's that's just the the nature of it so um yeah very special week and uh, I'm glad I was able to be healthy and, and running running there. As you say you're back here now based in Guernsey against um and kind of with a bit between your teeth with a big goal for the next year just tell us about that decision and, and kind of yeah what you got your, your mind up. Yeah there's obviously lots next year the main thing being the Paris Olympics uh, there's also the European Championships in Rome which is actually before that and then there's a couple of things, um, sort of early summer and, and even uh, into the indoors. There's a home world indoors in Glasgow if I if I decide to do that, um, which I think, um, you know, potentially could be on the cards. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm just really excited to be back here in, in a new setup. I think that was something I needed. Um, I've had a pretty tough last couple of years with illness, injury, um, and I think just, 
you know you need a change you need to make a change if you if you want to see a different outcome so uh, I, I feel really good about um at long last sort of getting myself back here i've started to just come back more and more in the last six months and it gets to a point where um you know i just start to think yeah i, I need to actually be based here and um can, can work off that so yeah new coach new setup um taking some good time to really plan that talk that through um and yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to it i feel motivated and, and in quite a different headspace than i have done for the last couple of years so uh, i think that that has to be a good thing yeah fantastic and of course you've got a taste of of training in currency for a major goal um during the pandemic and and, and kind of it saw you through to tokyo uh 2021 as it was in the end um does that did that kind of give you the confidence to think actually yeah uh, like where am I actually I can get to where I want to be from Guernsey absolutely um I, I do feel like it's tried and tested uh and sometimes you make moves in the sport where you're going into an environment and a, and a new place that you haven't actually um tried before and you never quite can tell until you're a couple months in how it's going to work for you um and I know that being over here I'm definitely my happiest and I've you know I've got a good group of friends and my family here and um, I think being in a good place just generally in your life, uh, you, you know, sets you up to just be in a, a good mental place to take that to training and, and want to be there and feel motivated and, you know, recover well. So I think just everything pointed to being back here and, and that being the right thing for me at this stage of my running career. So, yeah, in terms of we all about like going to the athletes who are training locally, who do you see as like main training bodies? To be honest, uh, nobody. Um, it's pretty much a coach athlete relationship uh, set up that I've got going with with Tom at the moment and you know if anyone can get involved with that whether it be Alistair if he comes back from the UK at all or Pete um, you know if it works for him and his program that we can sort of merge together and, and do the odd session then that would be great but day to day it's it's you know it's me and me and my coach essentially. And in terms of you know you mentioned about the, the challenges of the last couple of years of lots of things that drain um, and perhaps, you know, kind of not progressing as you, you might have um, envisaged a couple of years ago. I mean, given that you're sort of refocusing now, how how much belief is there inside you that you can kind of get back to where you were and, and even get, you know, get past that? I think there's a lot more now. Uh, if you asked me that question six months ago, I think you've had quite a different response. Uh, I think I was starting to probably doubt things a little bit more and question what I was going to do. Um, you know whether it was potentially even to the extreme of like you know hanging the spikes up and, and moving moving on if i'm honest you know it's sort of only so many uh hits i suppose you can take when you before you start to question um whether it's actually you know you need to go down a different avenue but um i think the big the big thing for me was just getting six or seven weeks of consistency and i decided to come back to guernsey to focus on my training in the lead up to the island games um as opposed to competing at the british championships which was the same weekend uh and i think just being back here i just seemed to find a good routine and finally at long last get some consistency in my training without any injuries or, or getting ill and um you know even in six weeks i, I i'd opened up the season at 47.3 at the end of may in belgium um and honestly before i'd even crossed the line in that race i was you know my head was already sort of spiraling and thinking what the hell am i doing you know just you're past it you've you're done like you know walk away from it it's just ridiculous now um so i really had to make a i suppose a big decision and um try and change something um to, to get a different outcome and i think that coming back to guernsey has done that for me 
in the space of a few weeks and some some good sessions. Uh, I got down to 46.7. And then at the Ireland Games, I managed to run 46.3, um, you know, literally off six weeks training. And, and you know, it was obviously um, a real shame that that wasn't enough to win. You know, it would have won every, every other Ireland Games uh, there ever was. But, you know, I think people were sort of asking me, oh, you know, you, you know, I, I was not sure how I would have, how I felt about it. And um, I was really, really happy with that performance. You know, to run 46.3 was probably faster than I thought I would run. And it showed me that of such a short period of time of just consistent training and, and feeling happier and, and in a good place, you know, what I can do. So if I can get six to nine months of consistent training, then, you know, who knows? Um, so I do feel in quite a different headspace. I feel really motivated. Um, and I haven't honestly felt that for the last two seasons since the last uh, Olympic year. Um, I've just not been in that headspace. And I think being back here is, uh, in, in the new setup has kind of relit that fire. Um, and I'm really, you know, determined to give it a good go next year. I guess speaking about that wider state of British longer recently, I mean, in recent times, we've had Matt Hudson Smith coming back and doing fantastic times, obviously setting a European record. And the like him, it probably hasn't been smooth sailing high enough. As like a potential teammate and also just a normal of like Great Britain's Ford meeting mates, like what do you have to say about him? Yeah, he's another example. I mean, I think athletes of all levels um, have, you know, not had smooth journeys in their sort of athletic journey, as it were. Um, I, I don't think the level you're at is necessarily any indication of that. And, you know, Matt's at the right at the top level. He's the fastest ever um that europe's produced uh as of this summer just gone um fantastic turnaround and you know i'm sure you've seen this sort of well publicized story of his struggle um you know and going to quite an extreme low place and you know being firsthand sort of in that 400 meter scene you know it's funny how everyone loses interest very quickly um and says oh you know that's him done he'll never come back you know he's a has-been um and then you know give it one year and he turns it around himself with you know, he's had to go and do that himself and probably not with a lot of help and belief of, of many other people. And suddenly now he's running fast. Everyone wants to know him again. And, um, you know, I think that's what you got to remember. If you can turn it around, that you did that. And, um, you know, there's all, I think it's one of those things where when you're running fast, people want to know you. And when you're not, quite quickly, you're old news and they'll move on to the next person. So I think you want to create a really good loyal team that you can trust in and the trust in you and actually have your best interest at heart and um you know you've got to go and do it yourself because it's a pretty ruthless sport out there and, and congratulations to matt on on turning it around and, and making it such a success it's yeah it's very impressive and it, i think it shows even yeah you know someone like myself that i've had sort of my couple of really tough years that it can be done if you stick at it and you change something but you've got to be proactive and, and make it happen yourself it won't just it won't just land on your lap and you know in your head what um well i guess what you need to do time-wise to be in the next come uh the, the moment you want to peak and also like the sort of milestones that, that perhaps that you're looking at over the winter and into the spring yes it's interesting that having spoke to tom we've kind of really looked at what approach you want to take and um you know how we want to construct the year in terms of training and things but weirdly we haven't spoken about goals or times or anything like that i think it's pretty um unspoken that the goal is the paris olympics and you know to get there uh you know basically i just need to run as fast as i can i think i need to run fast pretty early i don't think it's one of those years where you can afford to have a slow start to the season um so i think we're fully aware of that 
and you know just to take every opportunity that, that comes our way and and try and find the right races um early on and you know listen to my body and make adjustments where necessary and you know i think being in a good place and having that consistency of training is going to give me the best opportunity to run fast and then put myself in the mix for that team uh, and we'll see how things are shaping up come summer because it is a competitive scene in britain for 400 meters at the moment it's a lot of guys uh, in the low 46s i think as soon as you can break under 46 which i know i can do and i've done you know 10 times plus uh then you you are definitely in the discussion but i think still that's probably not enough at, at the moment you need to be able to roll a good relay leg uh, be professional and probably be more like you know 45 and a half kind of thing um to really sort of have a have a more of a certain chance of getting your name on the sheet yeah and you've got those little rings on your arm tattooed on yeah um, from a couple of years ago i mean obviously that was a monumental achievement to to just say to get you know onto the track at tokyo it was because of covid a slightly different games uh, you know how much do you want to taste the kind of the, the normal olympic games to like with a with a full crowd and, and the atmosphere around it Pat? Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, not many people um, become double Olympians and, uh, you know, Tokyo and Paris are two, you know, I think really cool places to have gone to the Olympic Games. So, yeah, it's, it's massively motivating for me. And, um, you know, to be in that team now, the sort of plus side of it being so competitive is that if you do get into that team and you can be in the strike four, you've actually got a real chance of, of being competitive and even fighting for an Olympic medal. Uh, you know, and that's got quite a different ring to it, an Olympic medalist instead of just Olympian. So, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's usually motivating for me. Um, I'm just trying to sort of keep my head down and, you know, I know I've got to work really hard and stay healthy uh, and then run fast next summer to have a chance because it's it's really competitive and it's not easy and it's certainly no given. You know, if, if I'm honest, this time around, I'm really the, an, in an underdog position and I don't think... Um, yeah, anyone who's clued up on the sport actually would currently say I'd be expected to be in that team. I think I'd probably be written off. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a different approach and, and perhaps quite a nice position to be in, really. Uh, so I'll see what I can do. I guess just looking at the season, building towards that. So you have mentioned the world indoors. Obviously, that being close to home would be a massive spectacle. But in practice, how would you balance that with having to get in shape to target being the qualification early in the summer? Yeah, I haven't done indoors for quite a few years now. Um, I think the last time I did it was in 2019 um, and I won the British Indoor Championships and ran fast. And I think it did set me up um, quite well in previous years to take into the summer and, and just be in touch with racing, competition, running at that kind of speed um, sort of earlier on in the year. Uh, it's less of a shock to the body when you come out in May and are suddenly um, you know, expected to be all guns blazing. So I think... It could be a very useful thing for the outdoor season this year. I will be using it more as a tool to prepare me for the outdoor season uh, than to necessarily aim for it and peak for it. Um, I think it's uh, it's good fun and I think it's no bad thing to get me back into sort of regular competition, which is something that I've sort of not had as much exposure to than I'd have liked in the last couple of years. Yeah, brilliant. And you were saying before we started recording, uh, sort of telling us a bit about your kind of week to week and, and some of the things you're doing. It's not like you've got quite a sort of a varied schedule, really. You're doing, uh, yes, boxing, um, some Pilates piece as well with yeah. Eric. Uh, just tell us about what that's going to bring to your, to your mate. Yeah. Um, I think, like I said, a big thing is really believing in what you're doing and, and enjoying what you're doing. And I think you're going to just be um, far more likely to throw yourself into it and, um, you know, 
eke out all the little improvements that you can find in yourself if, if you're happy and you know in, in that program so uh, we've got a pretty solid structure together and I think there's some supplementary things uh, like you mentioned the Pilates for runners is quite a good addition I think it kind of bridges the gap between the sort of heavier power and strength lifting I do in the gym and the running on the track you know I think it's that kind of conditioning element um, you know some sort of finer details to hopefully keep me on the track and, and injury free because I think that's you know like I said one of the big things for me this year is finding consistency and, and maintaining health throughout the year um, so I think that could be really useful as well as doing some conditioning work with Andy Perkins um, in the gym uh, and then for example like the boxing you know it was um, we spoke about potentially doing some aerobic running and I do some of that on the grass sort of at the end of a week to kind of top up but I do find it a little bit boring and uh, so you know trying to think of a way that actually you can get an aerobic hit whilst enjoying what you're doing and, and having to think and um, I, yeah, I mean, I've been enjoying my boxing um, and you know I tell you it's a it's a real workout um, and learning you know learning a skill at the same time and having to think and move uh, you know just different muscles and yeah you certainly like you get a sweat on um you know hitting those pads for six rounds yeah, so, other, yeah i've really enjoyed it um it's, it's been good especially at this time of the year where things are a little bit more relaxed in some sense you don't have competition around the corner I think of sort of just yeah just want to be enjoying my weeks um you know and uh, yeah sort of feel feel good about it yeah I guess looking back to last month you got a bit of like an aerobic hit as we further competing in the ambience I mean, yeah, how do you find all the hats? Yeah, uh, and similarly, um, I think just taking the opportunities to do things um, that I want to do uh, whilst I can. You know, I've I've seen that um, town relay uh, over the years and quite fancy to go at it because it's it's a short enough distance that I feel like I can still be relatively competitive and um, enjoy. So, yeah, it was just under a mile and we had uh, the opportunity to put an Island Games sort of select team together and it was good fun to run with my mates and have a crack at the course. Um, and I definitely think I can go faster. So, oh yeah, <laughs> hopefully next year. Uh, it looks like a bad head shit. Yeah, well, I'm going to use that to try to prepare me for the Talbot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We certainly felt that one. So, while we were based primarily in Wales, you maybe did get so many opportunities to compete locally. But like looking ahead, are you looking at like feeding local spectators to a few more pins and stuff for playing? Potentially, uh, I think we'll just see what the timetable and, and what our sort of competitive um, sheet is looking like uh, sort of come the summer and, and what I need. And, and you know, if there's an opportunity that, um, you know, is, is right for me next summer, that it could be useful, then absolutely, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll jump on that. Um, I've enjoyed racing over here and uh, I've run pretty fast over here as well. So it's definitely good to have on our doorstep and, um, you know, if I need it. So... If the opportunity is there, I'd, I'd love to take it. I'll go back to the IA Games, which I think where we started. Um, yeah, as you say, uh, you were picked to the post in the, in the 400 by uh, the guy from the Ferries, and the, the, you produced an unbelievable performance. Um, but to finish that week with that that relay um, that relay squad cut off in the podium, how how kind of, yeah, how much will that be as a highlight that you hang on to from this year? Yeah, it was definitely probably the highlight of the year. It has to be. Um, we needed to win that relay because I hadn't got a gold medal from the individual. So I had to have a gold medal from the home island games. Um, and it was really good to to do that with the guys and to pit the record as well um, was good. I mean, we can definitely go a lot faster than that. It wasn't really a great day. It was pretty windy. Um, 
but it wasn't about that. It was about the gold medal and, um, you know, getting a win in front of the home crowd. Um, and I think I, you know, in a strange way, I enjoyed the individual 400 just as much as the uh, 4x4 because I think the crowd on the Monday night was the best and initially quite a shock, you know, in terms of exceeding my expectations. And I was really pleased with my performance. And I was, you know, obviously it's at the same time surprised that um, Jonas had run so fast. And, you know, now we've seen what he's done with the rest of his summer. It's sort of no surprise. And it'll be a very interesting, um, you know, character to watch and see where he goes in the next few years. But, um, yeah, it's a fantastic week. And I'm really glad I, I was healthy enough sort of off the back of the terrible two years to actually be there and compete um, and win some medals with the guys so yeah really really good time yeah I think everybody walked in on that Monday night it was like just wow it was uh, yeah, it was pretty wild yes um, well yeah uh, a great memory time I'm going to from this year and there's uh, more to be made next year so like, yeah fantastic to hear that you're in a good place Cam and uh, yeah all the best with the, the wind string thank you Cam Chalmers speaking to Jamie and I there. Um, right, let's have a look at what's going on uh, this weekend and over the coming week. Uh, Gareth got a pretty big afternoon of rugby down at Footslane on Saturday um, with a triple header. Raiders back in action on home soil and uh, first home games or first home league games of the season for the Vikings and the women. Yeah, um, the Vikings got Tetonian seconds visiting and uh, they got off to a great start in uh, level eight uh, last weekend with a win away at uh, Chichester. And um, yeah, so they'll be looking to follow that up uh, at home. They started at half 11 on, on Saturday morning and uh, the ladies, they were, I think they were quite pleased with their performance away at Dartford Valley ladies at the weekend. It ended in defeat, but it was a, quite a young squad going out there and they'll um, look to to um, build on that performance against Pulborough, who are the visitors this weekend. And, but, um, yeah, and then, of course, Raiders um, coming off the back of another a very similar story in, in, away from home where they started slowly, had a mountain to climb and very nearly scaled that mountain uh, away to TJ's on, on Saturday. They ended up losing by 11 points, but to get within six points with about 10 minutes to go, having given up a, a 26-3 half-time deficit, was, was a really good effort, I think, um, uh, certainly they'll be looking to start strong as they did at Footslane last time they played there when uh, Isha visit and Isha are renowned to, as, a, as a very uh, prestigious club so that, that you imagine they'll be a strong side yeah brilliant as you say um, Vikings uh, kick off at half past 11 that's on the main pitch um, the Raiders ladies um, start at 12.30 on the club pitch and then uh, yeah Raiders against Isha um, a two o'clock kickoff back in front of the grandstand um, so it's going to be a cracking afternoon of rugby down there of course we've got the World Cup going on as well um, so it's going to be a very busy, I'm sure, into the evening at the clubhouse. Um, what have you made of the tournament so far, Gareth? I've thoroughly enjoyed watching Fiji. I mean, I, I am actually a Wales fan in, when it comes to international rugby because I was named after Gareth Edwards by my dad. Um, but um, yeah, Fiji ran Wales very close and then they went on to beat uh, Australia a week later. And I think they've been sort of like the, the most entertaining side. Uh, South Africa, though, do look probably the, the team to beat. They've looked very strong when I've seen them. And uh, yeah, um, I, I can't wait for them to play Ireland in the group stages because that might be a bit of a precursor of a, of a final. A big one uh, to come for sure. Um, well, uh, one man who uh, yeah, knows uh, all about uh, international rugby is former South Africa captain Jean de Villiers, who was in the island last week um, as a guest of Peregrine Wealth, um, playing a bit of golf, I think, and uh, and chatting to, uh, to various people um, on the kind of motivational side of things, which he, um, I think, takes... Uh, takes a great interest in these days he's um quite committed to 
to kind of yeah spreading the lessons of his uh, life and career to others um, which is fantastic to see and I had the opportunity to sit down with him um, for 10 minutes to talk about um, his career um, the work he's doing now and also get his thoughts on the World Cup so Jamie Gareth thanks very much um, yeah we'll leave you with my chat with Jean de Villiers um, to close this week's pod First of all, welcome back to Guernsey, Jean. Uh, great to see you here. Uh, I know you've been to the island a couple of times before. Just tell us what you make of it and um, the welcome you've had those times. Yeah, it's it's great to be here. Um, I was saying earlier today, I think it's, uh, I far prefer Guernsey when the weather's like this, you know, nice and sunshine. I'm a, I'm a sunshiny kind of kind of person. But um, yeah, every time that I've that I've come over to, to Guernsey, it's been a really good experience. Um, you know, I always say, that, you know, take the weather or anything into account as well but at the end of the day it's the people that that makes any experience a, a good one or a bad one and I've, I've certainly only had good experiences over here well that's really good to hear i know you've got um, a lot on at the moment you're back or back and forth to france with commitments around the world cup we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment but um yeah the last time you're here i think you spoke to some some young players involved in the, the local rugby club uh boys and girls i mean just w when you go around uh, the places you do and i know you do a lot of work with people kind of helping them be the best they can be and, and trying to spread the kind of you know the positivity um, that you want to spread from your experience. I mean, what what are the kind of messages that you try and get across? What's the sort of key thing that you, that you try and spread? Well, look, I, I think firstly, I think um, you know, sport is just for me a brilliant tool to be able to learn life lessons um, and and to be able to teach skills skills and learn skills that you can apply in everyday life. Um, so so using sport to do that, and by doing that, you're staying healthy, you're staying active, you you're doing all of that as well. You know, it's it's like a no brainer for for, for me. Um, so in terms of, of of the messaging of that, you know, the one thing that I've learned that that's a constant in life for anyone and everyone is that, you know, life happens and things happen in your life and adversity will will strike at some stage. But it's but it's your attitude in, in the times of adversity that'll that'll determine whether you are successful or not. So um, I think it's learning from that. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, um, what your background is. You know, at some stage, something will happen to you that you're not prepared for and that you'll really struggle to get through. Um, but if you surround yourself with, with good people, they will help you through it. And, and if you have a good attitude, then hopefully you'll get through it as well. And, and you actually learn through it and you grow as a person. So, um, yeah, that's always a, a constant kind of thing for me and, and, and something that, that, that hopefully the, the kids can also learn from. Yeah, and I guess for young people, but for adults as well, you know, there are a lot of competing factors in life now that, that maybe sport has a different role in, in, in life and society. But do you think it's still one of the best places? We've got the Red Arrows, I think, just about coming over the top here, recording this on the uh, Guernsey Air Display Day. Um, do you feel like uh, those sport and rugby in particular, but other sports still have a very unique and kind of beneficial role in developing people of all ages? I've got no doubt about that, um, and specifically rugby for me because it's such a team sport. It, it's uh, such a um, a sport that we really are interdependent on each other to be to be successful. You know, you learn you learn so much through that. So um, yeah, no, you know, there's uh, again always the not the introduction of technology, but technology very much taking over a, a lot of um, entertainment. But I think if you get that balance right, where um, where you can educate and, and get more into the the technology side, but also be active, get outside. Um, you know, I was, a, a, a ball is the best gift in the present in the world and, and thing to play with for, for a kid. You know, you have a ball and suddenly um, everyone can be entertained. So, 
um, yeah, it, it's really important. And, and like I said, I think from a from a health point of view as well, to stay active is is really is really important. Yeah, and since you've retired, as I said, I think you you spent a lot of time now going traveling around the world, speaking to a lot of different people um, from different walks of life about your own experiences and about what you're doing. I mean, do you get as much? Is it fair to say you get as much satisfaction out of what you do now uh, as you did as a player? Yeah, I won't say the same. I don't think anything will will ever compete with with what I did because it really was and is my passion, and and I was able to you know to live through um the, you know the kind of the dreams that I had as a as a kid. I was I was able to to live my dreams, um. But what I do now and being able to impact people's lives and and, and provide, you know, maybe a little bit of advice that can help them not make the same mistakes that I did and and hopefully make a success of life and and be happy and be healthy and and know how to to deal with difficult situations, you know, throughout your life, you know. That uh, that to me is is enormously fulfilling. You know, it, it 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 you you feel good about yourself. Uh, um, so so uh, you know I, I enjoy it, and it's it's kind of finding a uh, a new a new purpose, I suppose. Um, and and having that, and then still being involved with um, um, with rugby through through broadcasting in South Africa, kind of. Uh, helps with the balance the life the life balance yeah great stuff and uh yeah we've got a world cup on at the moment obviously you were part of a, a very successful south african setup during your career um if anything you know they've taken it on to new heights in recent years i think most people around the world are pretty fearful about this this springboks uh, squad what is it about south african rugby at the moment what what's what, what's the kind of um what's, what's the key ingredients in that camp that, that make make that squad so so strong well i think if you have you know, if, if if you have really good resources, you know, in terms of your your players, um, if you have that, and then your your preparation is really good, and your your management staff, coaching staff, um, then usually you get you, you you get good results. And I and I think the box have that. They've got really strong players throughout uh, throughout the team, and 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 from a prep point of view um, and management point of view, you know, they're really well coached. Um, the preparation's been really good. They go into detail. They analyze, um, you know. And and what I love to see from this Springbok team is that you always see work rate. You always see, um, you know, a, a massive amount of of commitment. Um, you know, on game day, and that's kind of the standard. So um, the effort being put in, you can never doubt that from the box. And then you add a bit of the X factor, you know, the strategy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and suddenly you. Um, you create quite a quite a big force in in world rugby. Um, we, we've been blown um, in terms of our chance of winning this World Cup with with two big injuries. You know, firstly Iman Etzebet, who who will be back playing again, but we're not 100 percent sure when he'll be back. But unfortunately, probably and arguably our, our best player at the moment, Malcolm Marks, who's just been ruled out of the World Cup. Uh, so that's a big big loss for the box. But hopefully that can um, that can be something that that unites the team even more. Yeah, and you talk about that work rate and that that work ethic. Who, who drives that? Is that the coach, or is it something that 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 all young South African players are kind of it's drilled into them at a very early age? I think it's a culture thing within that that environment now. That you know anything less is just not um, acceptable. Uh, you know, so and and when you speak about culture, culture is not something that happens overnight. It's something that that takes time, and then eventually you realise, well, you know, that's the bare minimum for us. Um, so it, it, it's the players that, that that drives that, the leadership within um, within the player group, and um, and they're certainly getting that right. So, you know, a guy like Sia Kalisi as a 
um, as a, a captain of the team, you know, he's such an inspirational individual and uh, and he seems to get the best out of out of the guys, um, but it's all the other leaders within the side as well. Yeah, just finally, I mean, for, for young players perhaps watching or you know, young rugby players watching this World Cup or or any sportsman really, I mean, who are the perhaps the players in that, that box squad or, or the tournament as a whole that, that you think yeah, any young player should be watching out for or looking out for and, and, and trying to kind of take the best bits from? Well, there are so many. You know, I, I kind of like the, the, the new youngsters on the block, you know, the, the Kane and Moody's, the Kirtley Orenses, uh, uh, even a Cheson Colby still where, you know, maybe in the past someone like him wouldn't have been selected because of his, his um, uh, you know, he's a little bit smaller than the traditional. Um, but they're all quality quality rugby players, you know, and then you get the older workhorses like a Dwayne Vermeulen and, and the Eben Etzebets, uh, as I said, Malcolm Marks out now. So Peter Steftetoy, again, if you speak about uh, just commitment to the cause, you know, he's always leading from the front with that. Um, and and Sia as well. <laughs> I could probably just name the whole team and then you just follow them. But I mean, so you can say the same about a lot of the other. You know, someone like Antoine Dupont for for France, uh, being the poster boy for this World Cup as well. He, he just fascinates me. He's, he's an incredible player, um, and so many others as well. So watch just watch the Rugby World Cup. Enjoy what you see. Hopefully, learn from it, and um, hopefully, the product that they put out there is a good one.